I was looking down at my phone and I was recounting all the times they called and I picked up. I love college. I don't want to come home while forgetting the amount of consecutive days I only allowed myself a black coffee with a hundred calorie fiber one bar. The days I only sustained on 160 calorie pita, a teaspoon of hummus and some cucumbers, even though I was going to dance three to four hours that day. See, I was trying to become invisible and I knew at five, seven, that was impossible. So I tried to get Thinner because I thought if I got thinner, there would be less of me to look at without appreciation, less of me to treat without respect, less of me to touch without consent. I thought by becoming invisible, there would be less of me to be disappointed by. They would call and I'd pick up. I'm doing okay. I miss you though. I would say, as I witnessed my chest sink into my ribs. I wasn't okay. I needed help. So today, I called and they picked up. Mom, Dad, I need to come home. Hey there, and welcome to Grit, True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the personal narrative kind of story, the contemporary kind of story, and this week, the 99-second kind of story. You've already heard one by Shweta Bhatt that she recently told at one of our slams, and we have got six more storytellers and their 99-second stories. Tracy Starin, Francesca Sobrer, Angela Combest, Johanna Walker, Arlene Malinowski, and Nishama Franklin. Thanks to all of you for telling these stories and letting me use them on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Not only to entertain, but also to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories. True stories, personal stories, grit stories. Now, a few friendly reminders. Number one, we've got some classes and events coming up. I'll put those links in the show notes. Number two, if you listen on Apple, rate and review this podcast. It really helps. Number three, if you want to reach out to us on social media at True Stories That Matter or email hello at storygrit.com. Okay, let's dive in. I was standing outside the public theater on Lafayette Street in New York City, and a woman came and stood next to me a little too close to be socially acceptable. I figured she was probably really engrossed in her phone and didn't notice or anything. So I tried to slyly take a couple of steps away from her. And a couple of minutes later, I felt something repeatedly hitting me up against the back of my legs and then somebody bumping into me and, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, excuse me, I'm sorry. And as we got out of each other's way, I realized it was the woman who had been standing next to me. And she said, can you tell me where the public theater is? And I said, it's right here. You're standing in front of it. And she said, is this the front door? And I turned and looked, turned around to see. That was the first time I noticed what she had in her hands, which had been hitting me up against the back of my legs. It was her tapping cane. She was blind. And I said, no, you're, you're in front of a brick wall. That's not the front door. She said, can you lead me to the front door? 
And I stopped for a minute because what she didn't know is that we were both there for the same performance, an audio described show, and that I was waiting for my husband to come lead me to the front door because I am also vision impaired. And I considered telling her that and that I couldn't help her and what a coincidence it was. But in that moment, I realized that disability is relative and that the small amount of vision that I had would be more helpful to her than the coincidence would be amusing. And so I said, sure. And I took her by the elbow and I led her to the front door. Fall of 1991, I am in my third week of wearing pajamas all day, every day. Not a fashion statement, a standoff. It's hard to say who's winning. My husband for not noticing that I am still wearing my pajamas or me for not pointing out, have you noticed I'm still wearing my pajamas? My mother said I came into this world wearing white gloves. I put clothes together to look effortless, not to match so much as to compliment. How did I become this woman stubbornly wearing pajamas to the grocery store? It's 6 a.m. My husband has already left for work. He won't be home until after dark when I'm putting the kids to bed. My three-year-old son, Ryland, crawls into bed with me. I turn away from him so he won't know that I've been crying. He slips his little arm under and around my neck. His hand brushes against my chapped lips. He then licks the fingers of his other hand and gently wipes his wet fingers across my dry lips. In that moment, I think I have never known such pure love. In that moment, I realize my son deserves the mother he was born to, the one who gives a damn how she dresses. It takes time to find the courage to leave the father of your children, about six months. On the day I said goodbye, I was wearing a nice pair of blue jeans and a simple cotton top. I'm in the corner of a ballroom and I'm sobbing. I can't walk through a room of 600 people. I can't run to the bathroom like this is the high school dance. I can only try to be very, very small. I'm working for a dance company and this is our gala. There are women in ball gowns and diamonds, men in tuxedos and impeccably polished shoes. I see a woman lead a frail man to the dance floor by his hand and they're swaying. But when I look at his face, He seems scared and confused, and I've seen this look before on my grandfather's face. My factory working, oil changing, Philadelphia Phillies loving grandpa was my first dance partner. My grandparents had a hi-fi in the corner of a paneled living room that took up an entire corner of the room. And Pop-Up would put albums on and and we would dance. I would put my feet on top of his thick-soled work shoes and we would dance around the room. I didn't cry when he died because by the time Alzheimer's took him, he was gone long already. I once went to visit Pop in the nursing home and I leaned in to kiss him and he pulled away because I scared him. He didn't know who I was. 
And it was the same look I saw on his face that I saw on the dance floor that night. I might not have cried for my grandfather when he died, but I cried for him that night in the ballroom when I just was a little girl who missed dancing with her grandpa with her feet on his dusty work shoes. Thank you, Shweta, Tracy, Francesca, and Angela. Next up, Johanna, Arlene, and Nishama. My third grade teacher, Mrs. Blake, wore thick makeup that was caked on her face. The story went that when she scratched her cheek, she would peel away the makeup and you could see that actually she was the witch. She taught from her desk. She never stood up from her desk and she did not care one iota about the children. One day I'm standing at my locker and Derek Aguillard and Jacques Clark walk up to me and Derek holds his hand out to me and he says, Johanna, uh, Jacques Clark, he loves you. He wants to marry you. And I'm petrified. I don't know what to do. Oh, he opens his hand. He opens his palm and there's this big fat ring in his hand. And I don't know what to do. I know I'm too young to be married. So I just stand there and freeze. And then I run into the classroom and I tell Mrs. Blake, Jacques Clark wants to marry me and I don't want to marry him. And she doesn't say anything until Jacques Clark walks into the room. Then I start to feel this rumble as she pushes her chair away from the desk. And as she rises from the chair, I start to feel the room shake. I start to feel the building shake. I feel the entire city of Chicago start to shake because Mrs. Blake is standing up. And she plants her hands on the table and she says, Jacques Clark, school is a time for learning, not for loving. And everybody goes quiet. And I look at Mrs. Blake and I look at Jacques Clark and I know now that Mrs. Blake has my back. I have just introduced my deaf parents to my hearing fiance, who just informed them that how much he enjoyed Fucking very much, thank you. And you know what, in his defense, this and this are very similar, so I forgive him. And I think to myself, the worst that could have happened is over. The catastrophe is gone because now I control. I will interpret for my parents. I will make sure that the hearing and the deaf world are explained to each other. So we walk into the restaurant and the waiter comes over and I say, mom, do you want something to drink? And because she wants to include Dan in her best deaf voice, she says, I'll have penis colada. Mom, it's pronounced pina colada. That's what I say. Penis colada. No, no, no. You said, oh, what do you think he's going to bring me? And then in the air, all the oxygen goes out. And then Dan starts laughing and my parents start laughing. And I realize that I am never going to be able to control this deaf and hearing thing. And over the next 35 years, we had a lot of explaining to do. 
time ago, I was the green witch at the Renaissance Fair. And I needed something to take the tools of my trade with me because I was going to do spells on these passerbys who had no idea what would hit them. And the only thing I had to put my tools in was a camp trunk. It was very homely. But living with us back then was a very eccentric guy, Dickens 44 Bascom. He was a gluer. He could glue anything to anything with this resin that made your head spin. And so I transformed that camp trunk with all kinds of natural items to seed pods and leaves and moss and feathers and shells and shards of mirror. And it was fabulous and I took it to my tree where I held my spells and it was a really wonderful summer, but then it was over. And what was I gonna do with this trunk? I stuck it in storage where it moldered for possibly four decades. And then it was time to clean out the storage and I hauled it out and I had to beat it open. It was moldy inside and it was time to get rid of it. And so I had a dumpster for this clean out event and I tipped it up and dumped that camp truck in the dumpster. But you know, it's an icon of what I loved, but you know where the green witch lives, she's still inside. As always, thanks so much for listening and all your support. Special thanks to our seven badass tellers. Shweta, Tracy, Francesca, Angela, Johanna, Arlene, and Nishama. Check the show notes for information about upcoming classes and events. That is all for episode number 28. Boom.